2: And welcome to back to another edition of the What A Ball Life podcast with myself, Gary and Ant. How are you doing, Ant?
0: Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks.
2: Good, good. So, Ant, something that we are both very passionate about is mental health and well-being. And I'm delighted to see we're joined today by a very special guest with 18 years experience as a mental health and sports coach, skills teacher and senior leader. Please welcome to the podcast, Orange Ball coach, Mr. Sat Rafiq. How are you doing?
1: Hey, uh, really lovely to meet you, gary Ann. Yeah, really good, thank you. Uh, glad it's Friday, and it's uh, it's a real privilege to, to meet you and, and be on the podcast.
0: Well, well, you're like expecting you. a
1: nice little drum roll uh, Samuel <laughs> <while we're>, uh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Not at all. Uh, you, you put me at E straight away with those uh, beautiful accents of yours. Oh, so, thank you. Uh, uh, no, r- really looking forward to... For, to um, to have this really important chat, actually, and uh, I don't know if you, if you, if you saw the news earlier that Ben Storks has decided to, to take a break as well. So it's very apt the the timing of the podcast and this topic in general. Uh, it, it's on, um, you know, lots of people are thinking about it and and, and considering it, especially because it's these elite super sportsmen that 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 are now talking about it and uh yeah looking forward to seeing where where we get to in this podcast
2: yeah definitely 100 percent um so we just obviously want to go through a few things with yourself there firstly so firstly when did you decide you wanted? when did you decide you wanted to pursue like mental fitness mental health performance coaching and how did that come around and the concept for orange ball coaching
1: yeah, um, so I started life as a as a P teacher, um, so 20-odd years ago, and loved sport growing up, and I'll come back to, to orange ball coaching in a second. And what I began to notice, again, just through teaching and through the, the football coaching that I did outside of, of, of work, is how different players just reacted to different situations. And I studied psychology... Back uh, at university, so I was always fascinated with that area and how some players could respond in, in the correct way. You know, let's say if we went one nil down, two 0 down, and, and, and others struggled a little bit. And then, in my role as a teacher, I could I could see young people who had everything set against them, yet they flourished. Yet they were resilient yet they overcame every obstacle that was put in front of them. And I just be- I, I became fascinated with that area of, I suppose, teaching and learning and coaching and education, that what what makes some people different to others when it comes to this area of resilience. Mental health and well-being weren't terms that I was very familiar with. You know, I think that's come in the last maybe 10 years or so that we're we're beginning to talk about it more. But anecdotally, I used to just have those conversations with, with other coaches and other teachers. And then I began to coach as an executive coach in, in the education system. And again, a lot of the conversations that I was having with teachers and senior leaders, even though we may, be, we may have been talking about teaching, the conversations led to how they were feeling and how, what they were thinking and the impact that was having on their role as a teacher. And I was carrying on with the sports coaching and began to integrate the two. And then back in 2016, 17, I came across um, positive psychology um, as a discipline and decided to to leave a career in education and uh, pursue orange ball mental fitness. And uh, it's for me, I'm doing the same thing. I'm supporting individuals. I'm, I'm I'm helping people. But in but what the difference is now is that I'm really focusing on this area of positive mental health, well-being, and how that positively affects um, our lives. And when I'm working with sports pe- people, their performances. And uh, you'll resonate with this. So uh, Orange Ball Coaching, the name Orange Ball stems from when I was back at school and the happiest times that I had were when I was practicing me bowling indoor with an orange wind ball. And then when the P teacher got the orange ball out in winter and I'm from Burnley originally, so it's always winter. And just the joy that, that me and my friends experienced when that orange ball came out, you're like, yes, <laughs> we can carry on. And then when I was thinking about, you know what i was going to call the business in terms of the mental fitness coaching part that orange ball is a metaphor for gaining clarity and and just helping people to to keep going you know whether that's in a game of football whether that's in sport whether that's in life but passing on the orange ball so they can you know make positive strides forward mm-hmm. um and 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 that's how the evolution of of orange ball has has occurred over the I suppose a 20-year journey, I suppose. And going back to my own childhood um, and experiencing the things I did, um, the name, the story, what I do now, it just fits
0: nicely together for me, you know. Yeah. yeah. First ball I got off my dad was an orange ball cricket ball, <laughs> to be honest, so it's, uh, it does oh, resonate. Yeah. And yeah, I was just yeah. never good
2: at cricket, yeah, so uh, I'll hold my hands up with that.
0: Uh, Gary's not a cricket fan, so uh, he's, uh, we'll I, I know talk nothing about, about it at
2: all, at all. But you mentioned there before that you mentioned positive psychology, so tell us about that and its benefits.
1: Yeah, so positive psychology is literally the science that underpins flourishing. So if you look at the, the mental health spectrum, you know, you can have positive mental health as you can have uh, ill health. And positive psychology um, is the study of that flourishing side, that positive mental health. What is it, and how, what do people need to do, to think about, to feel, to experience, to move up that mental health spectrum? And what positive psychology does is to give us, lay people, um, a balanced view of mental health. Okay, so we can have mental ill health. And a lot of the focus of psychology was on what's wrong with people, you know, depression, anxiety, all very important constructs. But what we were missing was the language of positive mental health. You know, why wake up in the morning? What is it we're striving for? You know, what excites us? What motivates us? What inspires us? And what positive, the positive psychologists at the time, and Martin Seligman is, 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 perhaps the 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 founder of positive psychology really began to focus on those areas well if we if we know and understand what's wrong with people can we can we scientifically figure out actually what's right with people and what can we then do and i use it from a coaching aspect what can what can i do to help people move up that mental health spectrum towards flourishing and it's not about being happy happiness is just one part of life we know that life throws a whole host of challenges towards us and it can't all be, you know, happy, dancing around, sitting under a waterfall for two hours. I don't know if you've got any waterfalls <laughs> up in Sunderland.
2: <laughs> I, I certainly
1: don't. in South Maybe some dirty so rivers. It, what positive psychology does is, number one, give us a balanced view of mental health and well-being, but actually it's underpinned by evidence, an evidence base. So the science that underpins positive mental health and well-being, and it's just positive. I'm an optimist, chaps. I've always been an optimist. Yeah. But what what positive psychology now does is break, broken that down for us, and we can you can learn to be more optimistic. You know, there's ways of thinking that helps us to be more optimistic. Why is that important? Because optimists live longer. That's just one of the. You know, where, uh, optimists see things differently. Um, that are more conducive towards positive mental health than, than you know, pessimism. Pessimism is important, but if if we can learn to balance things out a little bit more and, and gain a different perspective on people, on situations, on what we're experiencing, we're more likely not to move too far down that mental ill health spectrum um, and really be not just caught with life, but begin to
0: flourish in life yeah awesome. obviously with you being a coach sack um through the obviously through the covid pandemic that must have affected you know orange ball in in different ways i mean were you guys doing you know skype and zoom and everything to keep close to each other for your quiz nights and all that and, and how did that affect yourself as a, as a person and as a business aspect as well
1: yeah no um great question and so when I don't know what it was, I don't know how how you experienced it, but that first two weeks of that first lockdown felt like uh, the planet had stopped turning, (laughs) didn't it? And and it was the most bizarre experience that first two weeks, uh, uh, you know, because it was new for all of us, wasn't it? We we knew this thing was coming over, but we we had no idea of how we were going to feel once, Boris said, "Right, that's it. Lockdown." And you could hear the birds, and there were no cars on the street. And absolutely, I, I experienced, I suppose, um, a downward spiral in terms of my own mental health. You know, I started to think about my family are up north, uh, and my thoughts and emotions are going all over the shop. You know, the kids all right, or you know, what we're going to do? How am I going to work? Because a lot of my work was face to face. So managed to, to to move things online, and um, I think that the, the the people that I was working with began to understand what this thing called mental fitness was and is. And I spent um, yeah, literally, I, I think all the way up, up to even now, I, I spent it delivering uh, either group zoom sessions on this area of mental fitness positive mental health and one-to-one clients on zoom but there came a point where the fact that i was just sat down like this in front of you two and i was coaching it did i, I was physically affected i was psychologically affected i was emotionally infected because as a coach i'm taking a lot in and mm-hmm. and, and, and and i have my physical health and physical exercise has a direct impact with my mental health and my mental being. my mental being, And I couldn't get to the gym. So I discovered walking, just walking for pleasure. I started walking into the woods, started climbing trees again, and, which I share with people. And they find that quite bizarre, but the kids were climbing trees. I was like, well, I'm going to do it as well. Just <laughs> anything to, anything to just to keep, keep active. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and to answer your question, yeah, uh, I, I, I the clients that I was working with, I could visibly see what lockdown was doing to them, what what the, this this pandemic was doing to them. But I too experienced that downward spiral um, because we were just dealing with negativity, weren't we? Yeah. It, it, it was much, just yeah. what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You know, don't do this. You can't do that. And literally felt like a a caged tiger. You know, it's just like we we couldn't do anything. And then there's the worries and concerns about friends and loved ones. So it was a time where I think all of us experienced that downward spiral that I talk about when it comes to our mental health uh, and well-being. And, yeah, you know, just because I'm a coach, does not I'm still a human being. And I think I'll get to that when we talk about elite sports people that, you know, if you're a human human being, you are prone to that downward spiral as you are that upward spiral.
2: Yeah, 100%. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree, totally agree. I mean, like you were saying there, we're going into the unknown, I remember like going to Sainsbury's, roads (laughs) deserted, standing outside of a shopping, like a supermarket and just queuing there and absolute quiet, no one knew what to expect, I mean... Like mentally, it it affects you so much. You don't know where we're gonna be. Then you know we've had eighteen months of this, and fingers crossed, it's it's picking up. But you don't know how it's affecting each and every person.
1: No, absolutely, Gary. And and, and if you don't mind, I'll share a little story. So once things opened up, um, I had a meeting in town, uh, in, in central London, and I can remember standing on the platform of the train station, thinking, right. Well, this is a bit different, isn't it? And I remember catching myself covering my hand with my shirt and pressing the button. And then I remember getting on and being conscious that I looked around to make sure I wasn't sat next to anyone. There must have been a couple of people on the on uh, in the carriage, and had my mask on and just felt really low, you mm-hmm. know, and and. And then I caught myself. I was like, Sack, what are you doing? And and I just noticed the change in behaviour. Um, you know, I had been on a train for a good 12 months. And then literally by the end of the journey, I was like, OK, you know, I gathered myself. But just that little behaviour change that, that we'd experienced of lockdown to coming out of lockdown, I, I, I experienced it and then... Because I do what I do, I, I have this inner dialogue that I can catch myself as I think certain things and so on. So I processed it. And then by the time I got to Victoria Station, I was all right. But, uh, you know, Gary, what you mentioned there, just because we are coming out of lockdown does not mean that everybody is on that fast lane, yeah. ready to re- ready to open. You know, if, if you think of a motorway, there's still many, many people on the hard shoulder, you know, so, so some are ready to go. Some are in the fast lane. Like right? you know, they can't wait to get out there. And and, and it's different for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's it, you know the the problems of coming out of lockdown, I think, are still will still be there yeah. for, for for many people.
0: Hundred percent agree. I think it's going to be another what year or two before we this normal thing comes back. You know what I mean? This. Oh, we're getting back to normal and everything like that. It's going to take a long, long time for everyone just to get used to what was normal. I forgot what normal is now. You know what I mean? It's, this is normal now. The the face masks are queuing up and everything like that. You know, um, as you said on the train, where there's you've got to give go give give space and where that's my normal now, and it's going to be a bit, a bit of a change. Um, what we'll do is that we'll 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 go into um, obviously the sport inside of of things, and obviously we've seen a lot. Well. The class Ben Stokes. Now is probably the third high-profile case of sports people citing mental health. The first one was earlier this year in Naomi Osaka. Now we um, we did a pod about this about. Three about four weeks ago, Gary, yeah, wasn't it? Just,
2: be- weeks, just uh, after the
0: French, just before Wimbledon. And I personally thought that the treatment of Naomi Osaka by you know, the, the tennis association in France was absolutely appalling, you know, and it made the poor girl having to miss Wimbledon. She she didn't look the same at the Olympics, you know, she got knocked out quite early on. Um, what do you think is kind of... First of all, what do you think about, about what's happened to Naomi Osaka and also... What do you think of like the conduct of everything? like that, her conduct and everything, everything like that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, well, well, I'm I'm with 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 you boys in terms of the treatment of um, Naomi Osaka after you know she'd shared that that news. But if we just take a step back and think about just elite athletes, you know, they are human beings. Yes, they can do amazing things that, well, I don't know about you two, but I certainly can't, you know, uh, no. <laughs> uh, play tennis like Naomi or play cricket uh, like Ben Stokes and so on. So we have this perception that they're superhuman <laughs> and what we what we need to begin to understand is first of all, they are human beings, but because of the level that they compete at, they are they they're exposed to demands that we will never understand, you know. If you when we walk out of our house, we don't have paparazzi following us. When we, you know, when we post something on Twitter, I don't know about again you boys, but I don't have twenty thousand, thirty thousand followers, you know. And I've got to really make sure what I'm writing. So, the likes of Naomi Osaka, the, the likes of um, Simone Biles, you know, they are under tremendous. Um, pressures that we can't understand okay now what what they are telling us is that they don't currently have the resources to deal with the demands that are being placed on them psychological and emotional resources and for me it's as simple as that and it is it is no more complicated than that is yes they are elite performers but they are human beings and they are prone to challenges to their mental health just as we are now, I think, we're, I think we're moving in the right direction. Again, would Ben Stokes have shared what he did today if it hadn't been for you know, previous uh, high-profile sports people using the term mental health and well-being as a reason to take a step back? It's the first time that we are hearing it as lay people, as supporters, as, uh, as lovers of sport. And I think governing bodies are, are catching up they're catching up with athletes using that language athletes sharing that they are experiencing a mental health challenge and they need to take a little bit of time out if you and i were doing that would we still tell let's let's for example say that that we've we've experienced a mental health challenge how comfortable do we think we could share it with our work colleagues or our boss or yeah. our friends and so on. And if, if we put it to elite sports people level, that's magnified by a thousand. They've yeah. got sponsors. They've got the governing bodies. They, they've got their contracts like Naomi Osaka. And uh, I did a tweet where I think as, uh, with Simone Biles, I used the term brave. You're brave to actually use that language because what you are actually doing, what Simone Biles is, is she's mindful. She knows that she's not in the best place, whereas other people might view it as mindless. She just mindlessly said, oh, I'm not, I, I'm not competing anymore. Actually, what I hear is a very mindful athlete who knows exactly where she needs to be to perform at the very highest level. Um I hope that answers your, uh, your yeah
0: yeah hundred yeah. percent Yeah, it's it's like what you said there before about um, you know these elite sportsmen have been magnified. I mean, last last year I know everyone had you know a rough year last year, but in in uh, March time we I lost my grand. Uh, you know, she died quite quite suddenly of um, brain hemorrhage and. What when we were like the grieving process was taken over by lockdown, so it ended up being like a long term kind of thing, and literally, literally like June, July last year is all here to me. because I just cannot. Like kind of remember anything you know I was just down in yeah. the dumps and everything having to, still having to work because I was classed as a key work and everything and, and I couldn't tell anybody you know I, I, I was living with my girlfriend still am, still am living with my girlfriend and she spotted the signs but there's not many people who actually know how low I was you know I've, I'm have i on antidepressants now because of, of all of that you know what I mean so I 100%, 100% agree with you and plus I mean in the limelight like I say with you know people constantly on your back 24 hours 7 days a week it must eventually take its toll on someone and fair play to these, you know, these three for actually saying, look, I need a break. I think it's, I think it's tremendous. I think it's, thank God it's a step in the right direction, to be honest. Otherwise, um, you know, because you get these things on Twitter. I mean, I've just read a post on Twitter there about Ben Stokes and someone saying man up. Now, man up, I think's the worst words you can, like the worst phrase you can ever say to anybody. You know what I mean? It's like well just because we're males we don't have our, our mental health problems I mean probably it's, it's absolutely madness in my, in my opinion, like but you know Gary, I know you wanted to bring the Simone Biles uh, question back into you about you, uh, about what happened with her
2: yeah, definitely, I mean because obviously she's withdrew from all games now at the Olympics because of her mental health. Many athletes' personalities have came out and tweeted their support, such as you know Justin Bieber and uh, Paul Pogba, for one. Um, I just wanted to also get your thoughts on someone pulling out of the Olympics. She's definitely done what's right for her. She's put mental health first, and it's great to see that she's got the support of that, um, which is fantastic. I mean, the best thing is for her is to put her mental health forward, given, obviously, her past as well. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think... Sexual the assault survivor,
0: say. isn't she? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's got to be something that you must be on your mind constantly, you know, every, every day. Like, you know, she's a survivor of sexual assault. I mean, what a horrible thing to happen. And then, I mean, for me, I mean a tweet that she put out i think it was no, sorry, it was an instagram post where she said i feel the weight the, the weight of the worlds on my shoulders because everyone in the olympics no matter what you were watching you were tuned in to watch some more bios weren't you and it must take its toll mustn't it i
2: really enjoyed watching the uh, the uh, gymnastics as well i thought it was really good mm-hmm. um, and fair play to that. but yeah I just want to get your thoughts on that as well so yeah no well i i
1: think again when we when we when we when we're looking up to these elite Sports people, the term mental toughness comes into play. We expect that they are mentally tough enough to deal with anything that that is thrown at them. And nine times out of ten, there have been everybody we've mentioned. You know Simone Biles. If anybody says she's not, you know, a once in a lifetime gymnast, you know, the greatest of all time, yet there are still people criticising what she's done now. So there's. There's a difference between being mentally tough for the event that you're doing and the relationship with mental health on an athlete. There are two there are two separate things for me. And and what we're beginning to realize is actually the human side of being an elite athlete. And, you know, you shared your loss, and I'm really sorry to hear that. But if you then imagine that you're holding those thoughts and those feelings and that sense of loss... Mm-hmm. And yet you still have to go out and perform a certain task. OK, now, whether it's your work or, or whether it's Simone Biles being a gymnast, I can't see how mental toughness for gymnastics allows you or helps you deal with the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certain strategies and tools that bridge the two. But she's a human being. She's a young She's a young girl who's experienced trauma in the past. Yeah. And so, as a as a coach, as a human being, as a, as a practitioner, if she thinks that... If she feels that she can't perform at the level she needs to or wants to, who the heck am I to say, no, you're wrong? And, and this is what we do with mental health. We add a judgment onto it. Man up. We, we, you know, people all of a sudden, I had a judgment. And we get a lot of that with men's mental health because I I work with men specifically as well. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest factors on why men don't open up because there's there's people who don't view mental health in the same way that they view physical health. If Simone Biles had twisted her ankle, we wouldn't wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Because she's used a term that we are still getting used to. We're still getting used to it. We are still dealing with the stigma around that term, mental health. I was working with a, with a group of academy footballers and uh, introduced the term mental fitness. And some of the parents were on the sideline and they came up to me at the end uh, and they went, "Sack, that was great, but it's that word mental. It, it just puts people off." Uh, well, I can't change the word. Mental relates to, to the mind. And, and mm-hmm. you know, just like... And, and these were parents of academy footballers. All right. So, you know, I think, we, I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. Even when it comes to men's mental health and well-being, I think those voices like ours are now being shared because I don't give a toss about what another man thinks about me if I'm having a mental health chat with a friend of mine. I really don't care, chaps. I'm northern, I used to play rugby league. I don't care. I've, had, I've, I've been to three funerals in five years of people, of, of lads that I've known. So, you know, nobody can tell me that I'm not to have that conversation. Nobody's going to tell me, especially that, that I need to man up or that person needs to man up. You know, for me personally, I've gone to the other side where I know the impact that mental ill health can have on individuals and if if we suppress it if we're not mindful that we're heading down that mental health spectrum then not so nice things happen
0: yeah yeah i mean sorry, also, I, was, I was on sorry. the soapbox there no that's fine that's fine you, you sit on that all you want mate. that's absolutely fine um we've also seen obviously with um the euros that have, that have just finished england doing so well getting to the final but what we were talking about wasn't a great tournament, like, we should have been talking about a great tournament, how well England have done, and lo and behold, the day after, we're talking about racism. Uh, You know, Bambi Asapu, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, all racially abused by social media. Now, I've got a two-part question for you is, how do you think social media is now affecting people's mental health side? Because I can only see it being a wrong thing, and there's so many kind of tools we need to bring in to... You know, up that if you know what I mean, make that better. And if yeah. you're in a room now with those strange footballers, what would you say to them? Oh, you pick some
1: meaty topics today, lads. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, just in terms of social media now. From, if we take it from, from a a, a footballer's perspective, okay. Now, it's almost a like double-edged sword for them. They perhaps need to be on social media for for players, for fans to get to know who they are, and there's this other disgusting, horrible side that they that they experience because of it. Now, whether that's to do with race, listen, I, I'm a Burnley fan, and uh, it, it, actually, I, I, as a collective, Burnley fans are great. You know, we're, we're realists, uh, but we understand what the players are going through. You know, they're they're, they're working as hard as they can. Um, in, in the environment that, that
0: they're in. Yeah, great away, Burnley. Like it's great
1: away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so perhaps that perspective for me is a little bit different. But if, if if you're a professional footballer, absolutely. When I talked about those demands that are on you, one is your social media presence and how you're viewed by others. You know, and, and that is something that they have to learn to manage and deal with because it's a part of, their profession, uh, I would suggest. Uh, Whether it's to do with contracts, to do with marketing, advertising, sponsors, you know, they have to be on social media. And it's a double-edged sword, social media. You know, we wouldn't have connected if it wasn't for social media. Um, Whereas we know there's this vile side where people are hidden uh, and they can almost just share whatever they want without any comeback. And, and, And that, for me i agree with you and i think social media um you know the people who run social media who uh, own these uh, these big corporates need to do a lot lot more yeah when it comes to those three three footballers absolutely i think what's come out uh, 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 on the back of it is that we knew what was going to happen
0: yeah and that's the that, for me. That's the most saddest thing about it. Yeah, was was Sancho, and I think it was. Um, basically, people said, I think Sancho's was the worst one. He's like, I'm used to it, and that this day and age where we've tried to clean everything up in in a lot of sports. You know, there's the show races and the red card, um, kind of thing. Which, which to be honest. Did really really well, and now we're getting. It seems to be coming back, and I I, I just think it's such a shame. And, and uh, it's like I say, we should have been talking about a great tournament. The tournament was fantastic, and we should have been talking about you know England as a whole coming out of lockdown, uniting again, watching England. And instead, we're talking about some idiots who haven't probably haven't got you know the brain cells between them to you know to have a decent conversation. To, you know, calling somebody you know a racist. Derogatory remark. I think it's horrific to be totally honest with you.
1: It is, but you know, we you know we talked about now. Well, again, it, I think it goes to again. Southgate preempted this right at the beginning in that open letter that he he shared with with the country. One mm. of the most one of the best pieces of writing I think I've ever read. Actually, yeah. Just in terms of his message and what he was what he was sharing to us. Yet people still booed them taking the knee. and I, you know, I'm not going to bring politics into this, but they explained very clearly why they were taking the knee. Mm. Yet still some people chose not to, not to believe them or not to follow that. As those players are walking up to that penalty, those three, and this is where that performance element comes in again, mental health and performance. If that thought would have come in, that I'm going to get absolutely vilified if I miss this, now, if you think of that elite level, if that thought or emotion came into that player during that walk, it's going to affect their performance yeah. somewhere. And and this is what these idiots don't realise. Well, if you're an England fan, my God, support every single player. If, if we want to lift that trophy after... You know, lift our trophy after so many years... I'm not going to get into song there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know support every single player, whether they're black, white, green, yellow, I really don't care. Once they've got that England jersey on, they're an England footballer and and, and we're going to do everything to support them. And if that player knows that they're going to get grief, now uh, I'm using grief there, uh, I mean vile abuse, as they walk up to that penalty, listen, it is going to affect them. It it is going to impact them um, somewhere along the line. So, No, absolutely abhorrent. Um, But what I would say to them is... Control what you can control. So, for example, racism is vile, racism is abhorrent, but I can't control what you say to me. You could... You you know, you two could say something to me. I cannot control that. What I can control is how I either react or respond. So... You know, I am the master of my response. And if I want to allow that racist abuse to affect me, it will. If I I have a choice on whether I open that tweet, I believe that tweet, I don't tell somebody, you know, there is a lot that those players can still control. How they view a racist remark, how they view uh, a racist... Uh, tweet. they still have a choice yes it's wrong but they can't control that until we get the powers that be to to, to actually control to help everybody control those these trolls and so on Oh, that made sense I was yeah but that's what I'd share with them in there um if I was in a room with them
2: nah no, definitely um I think that was a fantastic uh, way of putting it there and, you know, like, absolutely brilliant. I mean, they the should never have been subjected to that kind of abuse ever, ever. I mean, we, we need to kind of eradicate that kind of uh, treatment, especially for free 20 something 20-something-year-old players. Bakayo Saka, 19 years old, I mean, we saw at the end of it, he was crying his eyes out and Gareth South, Southgate, Southgate had to just give him a cuddle and just, you know, hold him and just tell him everything's okay like mentally, you know, he's probably just went home on that night, and for many other nights, and like the abuse which he's received on social media is just, just, just disgraceful, disgraceful.
1: That's, but again, it, it's with the chat about mental health. Yeah. You know, when we talk about sport, it, it, it's it's society. It, it, it's a microcosm of society, isn't it? Just yeah. you know, with, with bells on, and we're talking about mental health and how you know, the governing bodies or even certain fans and supporters are like, oh, well, you know, what's this about mental health? You know, man up in terms of uh, their, uh, being an elite athlete. And and it happens in, in our day-to-day life. And then when we talk about racism, it's exactly the same thing. It's prevalent in society. But again, these high-profile sports people, these elite performers, oh, oh, you know, they're on the telly every, every other week and, and they've got forty fifty thousand people in a in a stadium you know and will they receive racist abuse unfortunately yes it's it's what now it's what next you know what, what do we all do collectively as a society first actually and then in sport and can we can we all work to the same plan can we all move forward in the in the same way because if if we tackle racism outside of football, it's going to get tackled in football and vice versa
0: yeah Me. i think what i would do regarding social media is just completely verify everybody who has a twitter account facebook account um and then if you you know if you are seeing these horrible things then they know who it is and it and just ban them for life. You know, I think that's that's what needs to happen now. know, I mean, we all need to go through this, you know, brand new, you know, verification process. It'll be harder to harder to do than, than saying it, but it's it's got to that point, I think. And I think it's just like I say, we we were absolutely disgusted by it in our it's just not, there's no place for it is in, in any society. There's no place for, for something like that. But, that um, as well, obviously, we've got you, obviously, the Orange Ball um, company and everything. So can you give us, you know, a detail of, of what that does now in, in the community? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, so
1: uh, looking up over the past few years, we've grown into it and, and we work in different sectors. So we have four different pillars. So, we work um, in the education sector, especially with, with teachers and senior leaders on, on mental fitness, and that's a that's a nod to my background and just understanding the the demands that are placed on teachers, especially. There's there's rightly a lot of work done with children and young people on this area of mental health and well-being, um, and just having been a teacher and a senior leader, I, I do understand the impact that that the job has on teachers so some of our orange ball programs run in the running the education sector i have other programs running in in sport um and especially at grassroots and semi-professional level because if, if you think about demands for them you know they've got work but they're also having to perform on the pitch whether that be football or cricket or i so we have that we work in the corporate sector with teams on this area of mental fitness and interestingly that's That's linked to well-being, but also performance. You know, I think organisations obviously do want to look after their people in terms of mental health and well-being. But we all do need to perform at a certain, whatever we do, you know. There's still an element of performance there. So I bring in some of the work that we do in sport with that. And then I'm really proud to run some community programmes uh, for some community organisations, because one of my missions is, you know, this thing called positive psychology. It, it really should benefit every single person. It shouldn't be just for the corporates or for the for the for the sports people. It, it, it's it's you and me on the ground. You know, with all the demands that we have that we have as individuals. Um, so we've got a couple of community programmes. We ran one. Um, just over lockdown with um, the PKC Academy, which is a prevent knife crime academy. And they use football, but I worked with the young people there on this area of mental fitness and and how they could, you know, uh, deal with the challenges that they were facing from a community angle, from, um, you know, from the backgrounds that that some of them come from. Um, And then we're just about to start a new program with some college students who are all refugees right, okay so they are so the refugees over over here and i'm going to share some some resilience work and some positive psychology work with them so yeah it's it, it so varied my work but in the end it, it's about how we can help people move towards positive mental health and and deal with the challenges that all of us face whether you're an elite sports person or yeah, you and I, you
2: know. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Um, so, we'll, uh a final question for you there, Zach. You said you were a Burnley fan. What you're, um, what uh, you're making of uh, what you're making of your season coming forward? Then, give us your uh, hey, predictions.
1: Listen, the, the the best thing that's happened is Sean has stayed. Hundred percent. And in Dyche, we trust. Yeah. If ever. A club and a man are meant to be together. <laughs> it is, it is. Deitch and Burnley. Um, so I'm really hopeful. Listen, Gary, and, and uh, I take it you're, you're not Newcastle fans, yeah? No, no, we're we're but both Sunderland, both Sunderland <laughs> fans. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you know, as Burnley fans, we're realistic, and you know what? Survival number one. And then you know, over time, if we can keep climbing up that league, if we can stay up. with with the amount that Dyke spends Uh, no I'm really looking forward to the season I think we will again we will do what Burnley do which is be resilient we'll be resolute it will be a difficult place to come he he always finds the right place to fit in uh, into the culture that he's created so yeah I'm really hopeful how about you boys? (laughs)
2: Yeah, the fans will be back as well I must admit,
0: you know um, and obviously we've had five horrible years of of support in Sunderland (laughs) but I'm quite optimistic this season I must admit, I, I, I do believe that we've got a manager who's who's bringing in the youth, turning to youth, trying to you know bring in some players who aren't League One journeymen to try and get us out of the league because that, that tactics failed massively. Um, so I'm quite, to be honest, I'm quite optimistic. I think we'll go up this season, but I mean, I said that last year and the year before, so <laughs> I'll probably no. be wrong, but I just want to be out, out of this division and back in you know the Championship, hopefully in the Premier League in not-too-distant future because you, know, you, you miss, I think you take for granted just, Especially this lockdown, you take for granted. Of I mean, I've seen like Sergio Aguero live, Chris Ronaldo and live, and wow. now I'm saying, you know, and, and it's absolutely, you know, like you're going through the, the opposition's team now in League One. I've never heard of any of these players in my life, and it's not like it's not like this think that we're better than League One and all that stuff because we're a League One team. But it's not a very nice place to be, in. so mm-hmm. fingers crossed. But um, I, I mean, to I,
1: I, fair, I, I call it I call it proper football and.
0: I, 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 oh, it's, 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 it's football, something, it? it's something uh, yeah, but I mean, I've, been, I've had some good away days, we went to Rochdale a couple of years ago, and i probably probably won, I'll put that in my top five of best grounds I've yeah. been to, just for the atmosphere and things like that, but um, I mean, quickly nipping back to Burnley, I've got Phil Bardsley, who was an absolute legend at Sunderland, you know, such a, such a great player, and he, he was never the best technically, but he had it in here, didn't he, you know what I mean, 90 minutes... Heartened, if you if you got that for ninety minutes, you're not going you're not going far wrong really. But yeah, uh,
1: you've just described our squad, and so yeah, (laughs) Yeah. thanks very much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and Dyke, you know, I think that's a big factor for him. You know, how much how much pride you have in the club, how much pride you have in your shirt, and can you show that on the pitch? Mm. And then everything else will come for Dyke. You know. but no, it's been it's been a uh, a real pleasure. But and just as you were talking, it's that normality, isn't it? You know, going to watch football on a Saturday, the I stadiums can't wait. full,
0: I can't wait. And,
1: and those habits that, that we know, are, you know, really good for us to go out and watch football, and you know, we experience that that positivity and those positive emotions and so on. Yeah, I think many of us want to get back to to that at least. You know, that, and, and and if we get that for. for but lovers of football and lovers of sport then yeah maybe we are coming out of lockdown and 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 things will begin to
0: feel a bit more normal yeah I think. one of my friends was at latitude festival last week um, and she said as soon as she walked in as soon as she got through that get them gates she literally just broke down in tears because she was like, she wasn't expecting that to happen again, you know. And I think, like I said, I think we have took a lot for granted in in spotting in life gen- in general, really. And now that we're coming, hopefully, you know, coming into a better, you know, a better time. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what my emotions will be next. Well, I'm meant to be next week against Wigan, but I'm not there because I'm at a wedding. But the first home game when I walk in. It'll feel, you know, I'll be back with because I sit with my dad and, you know, we've been yeah. going for years with my dad and everything will go for a pint beforehand. It will feel weird, but in, a, in another way, I just can't wait for it. You know, I just, as even if we lose, it, it won't matter. It's, I'm back, you know, we're back, you know, we're back watching football, you know what I mean? So it won't really, I mean, I'll probably the day after when we realise we've lost it, bit, like, useless, but... <laughs> you know, and, up, it, if you could do me
1: a favour, in that moment... Just savour it. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just literally s- sit down wherever you are, stand up, and just allow yourself to take it in. Because we don't do that enough. We don't actually savour. And this comes from positive psychology. If we can just learn to sit back and savour those moments and experiences, that really helps, you know, climbing up that mental health spectrum. So just sit down and just literally uh, just take it in
0: yeah,
1: yeah. And, and and feel it. And if you start crying,
0: brilliant. Good for you. I've been, I've been seeing yeah. it happening. I must admit, I can see it happening. I mean, my dad will probably
2: just look at us and then, for God's sake. <laughs> literally, <laughs> no shame yeah. literally no shame in crying. no shame in crying when you get back yeah. in the stadium. It's been 18 months without <laughs> it, you know what I mean, in most league sports. Yeah. So enjoy like you say Zach, enjoy it but sack it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you today just want to like really thank you for coming on uh, the podcast Um, have really enjoyed like having this chat with you i've learned like so much from you in 49 minutes as well like about like positive psychology mental fitness mental health so thank you for that Um, just be sure also to check you uh, check out Zach's, uh work on twitter at orange ball coach orange ball coaching on instagram as well as your website which we'll put in the links on the podcast been fantastic to talk to you, Zach.
1: Oh, Gary, and it's it's been a real pleasure, honestly. And and keep keep doing what you're doing. It's fun. It's great. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah. If there's anything else you you know you need me to do for you, but please do please do reach out. But it's
0: been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Just, just a like, a share, and a follow will do because we don't have many. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll get there.
1: though. listen, you know, I, I, I don't know of a podcast that had twenty thousand people. You know straight away so no keep doing what you're doing and you know i, I think the the topics that that you're you're talking you're wanting to talk about wanting to discuss will resonate with a lot of people so keep doing what you're doing it's really brilliant
2: no worries really appreciate yeah, your time thank you very much sack. really appreciate that
1: thank you uh, no problem james all the best yeah. thank you cheers thank you very much